This is the Christian History Podcast, Chapter 2, Episode 10, The Table of Nations. Last week, I covered the flood story, the geography of Ararat, and similar flood stories from around the globe. If you missed it, you really should go back and give it a listen. This week, I'm covering the next portion of the Bible, a part that is generally forgotten about in your typical church setting. So let's get started. The flood story tells of how Noah and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with their wives, were saved from the deluge to repopulate the earth. In Genesis chapter 10, and following the flood story, there is a curious, not-so-small section. This chapter, probably more than any other single chapter in the entire Bible, links the history of that era with that of the world as a whole. Or at a minimum, the area around the eastern shore of the Mediterranean. And, as such, it's the subject of much debate in many unknowns. Both of these will be the focus of this episode. The list is so dense that I could easily spend many episodes covering it. I'm not going to do that, though, and instead cover it in a single episode and use the next many episodes for the deeper dives into the individual cultures and societies. But please bear with me, as the chapter in Genesis is dense in many names, so is this episode. Occasionally, you will see the Table of Nations referred to as the Generations of Noah. It is a traditional ethnology, there's another one of those words, representing the migration of people from the descendants of Noah into many lands after the flood. The word nations, used to describe the descendants, is the typical English translation of the Hebrew word goi. It stems from the Latin Vulgate, translated around 400 AD. In the Vulgate, the word does not have the same political meaning that it does today. The list includes some 70 names. It also introduces, for the first time in the Bible, a number of well-known labels important in biblical geography. Probably the most important of these are Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. From these three men are derived the cultural and language groups we know as Semitic, Hamitic, and Japhetites. This is probably one of the most important points of the podcast's 18 or so episodes to date, and specifically about the intertwining of biblical and world history, and therefore it bears repeating. And, for clarity, I'll post a graphic of the genealogy found in Genesis on the podcast Facebook page. From Noah's son Shem, we get the Semitic culture and language group. In our present world, these include Arabic, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Hamric cultures. They were at one time thought to include all the people of Asia. The Hamitic languages were once thought to include Berber, Kushtic, and Egyptian. For centuries, scholars and clergy considered these to be the peoples of Africa. Then, of course, there are the Japetites. The most widely spoken languages once thought to have descended from these are Spanish, English, Portuguese, and Russian. Obviously, these are European languages and cultures. Diving a little deeper, and back to the list in Genesis 10, it also included Noah's grandsons Elam, Ashur, Aram, Cush, and Canaan, from which the Elamites, Assyrians, Aramaeans, Cushites, and Canaanites were thought to have descended. There were also the descendants of Eber, from which the Hebrews were thought to have originated. In addition, the great hunter king Nimrod, the Philistines, the sons of Canaan, including Heth, Jabus, and Amorus, from which the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites sprang. There are many other names in the list which, within the realm of our current knowledge, seem to have no direct descendants, and I'll cover some of the theories on those in a minute. Before I start, one quick note. I'm purposely not covering Nimrod. I will spend considerable time on him next week, 
with the Tower at Babel. Genesis chapters 1 through 11 are structured around the five so-called toll-death statements, usually beginning with the phrase, these are the generations of, fill in the blank. In this, the phrase, the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth is the fourth. Events before the Genesis flood narrative, the central todo, correspond with those after. The post-flood world is a new creation corresponding to the Genesis creation narrative, and like Adam, Noah has three sons who will populate the world. The similarities extend forward as well. There are 70 names in the table, corresponding to the 70 Israelites who go down into Egypt at the end of Genesis, and to the 70 elders of Israel who are present at Sinai with Moses in Exodus. But, this is not to say that the 70 in the table are the same 70 that go into Egypt or the same at Sinai. However, the equality in the count is interesting. The symbolic force of these numbers is underscored by the way the names are frequently arranged in groups of seven. The overall principle governing the assignment of various peoples within the table presents certain difficulties. For example, it claims to describe all humankind, but restricts itself to the Egyptian lands of the south, the Mesopotamian lands, Anatolia, and the Ionian Greeks. The table is filled with other difficulties, too. The names Sheba and Havilah are listed twice, first as descendants of Cush, the son of Ham, in verse 7, and then as sons of Joktan, the great-grandsons of Shem. And also, while the Cushites are African in verses 6 and 7, they are Mesopotamians in verses 10 and 14. This is not to say that the entire passage is incorrect, as it is completely possible for two people to have the same name, but it certainly does lead to confusion. As I've covered in the past, the dates of the composition of the first 11 chapters of Genesis cannot be determined with any exactness, although to many scholars it seems likely that an early brief narrative may have been expanded at a later date with additional information. Portions of the table itself may derive from the 10th century BC, while others reflect the 7th century BC in priestly revisions in the 5th century BC. Its combination of world review and genealogy corresponds to the work of the Greek historian Hesetius Amilitus, active around 520 BC. The fact that the two are similar, though, may simply mean that one drew from the other. We may never know if Hesetius used the table as a source. 1 Chronicles chapter 1 includes an edited version of the Table of Nations from Genesis. It seems that the editing was intended to make clear that the intention of this table is to establish the background for Israel. In Chronicles, this is done by condensing various branches to focus on the story of Abraham and his offspring. Most notably, it omits Genesis chapter 10 verses 9 through 14, in which Nimrod, a son of Cush, is linked to various cities in Mesopotamia. Essentially, the connection between Cush and any Mesopotamian culture is removed. The Table of Nations is also mentioned in the Pseudopographical Book of Jubilees. It is expanded upon in detail in chapters 8 and 9 of the book. In Jubilees, the migration of the descendants of Noah throughout the world are thought to have been heavily influenced by the so-called Ionian world map. Described in the histories of Herodotus, Herodotus was a 5th century BC Greek historian. The Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek in Alexandria at the request of Ptolemy II, who ruled Egypt from 285 to 246 BC. This version became known as the Septuagint. Its version of the Table of Nations is substantially the same as that in the Hebrew text, but there are a few differences. 
I'll cover those in a bit. As I alluded to earlier, prior to the mid-19th century AD, Shem was associated with the peoples of Asia, Ham with Africa, and Japheth with Europe. Shem, through his great-grandson Eber, became the ancestor of Abraham, and thus of the Israelites. In the view of some 17th century European scholars, such as John Webb, the people of China, Eastern Persia, and India descended from Shem. Both Webb and the French Jesuits belonged to what has been dubbed the Figurist School of the late 17th and early 18th centuries. They went even further, identifying the legendary Emperor Yao of Chinese history with Noah himself. In the text, Ham is the forefather of Cush, Egypt, Put, and of Canaan, all of whose lands included portions of Africa, Arabia, Syria, Israel, and Mesopotamia. Japheth is apparently Noah's youngest son, although his line is given first in the text. His name has been associated with the Greek mythological titan Lapidus, and his sons include Javan, alleged father of the Greek-speaking cities of Ionia. The 1st century AD Jewish-Roman historian Josephus, in his book Antiquities of the Jews, was among the first of many who attempted to assign known ethnicities to some of the names listed in Genesis chapter 10. His assignments became the basis for most later authors. In the course of this podcast, I normally wouldn't read such a list, but since his is the source material for many to follow, it's important in this case. To Josephus, Gomer was the father of the people that he and his Greek peers referred to as the Galatians, or in other sources, the Gauls. Ashkenza was the father to the people that the Greeks referred to as the Regigenians. In the present day, this is the area around Tehran, Iran. The descendants of Repath became the Pathologians. They lived on the coast of the Black Sea in Anatolia in present-day Turkey. The descendants of Togomar were the Phrygians. These people first lived in the Balkans, north of Greece, but then, around the 12th century BC, with the collapse of the Hittite Empire, migrated to Anatolia. The children of Magog were the Scythians of present-day Iran. But modern-day scholars are skeptical of this and place Magog simply somewhere in Anatolia. The descendants of Madai became the Medes of northwestern Iran. The children of Javan settled in Ionia and therefore were the ancestors of all the Greeks. Elisha was the father of the Aeolians, another people that became the Greeks. Josephus claimed that Tharsis was related to Cilicia and also that their city of Tarsus was named for him. Cilicia was a coastal region in present-day southeastern Turkey. The Kittites were also known as the Ketilma and settled on the island of Cyprus. However, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Kittim appeared to be the Romans. Tubal was the father of those who settled in Ibris, in the Caucasus. The children of Meshech were known as the Cappadocians. They lived in the inland, mountainous region of central eastern Anatolia, present-day Turkey. Tyrus was the father of the Thracians, who lived north of Greece, on the coast of the Black Sea. Cush was the father of the Ethiopians. But then Josephus took what I consider to be a curious stance. He also said that Cush was the father of all men in Asia. As you probably know, Ethiopia is in central eastern Africa, not Asia. I'm wondering if something was lost in translation with Cush. Cebus, quite naturally, was the father of the Sabians. That means little to you or me, but to Josephus, they were an ancient people speaking an old South Arabian language who lived in what is today Yemen, in the southwest of the Arabian Peninsula. Quite understandably, it is believed that Queen Sheba was a Sebian. 
Havila was the father of the Gituli, who lived in what is present-day Algeria and Tunisia in North Africa. Sapta was the father of the Astroborans, believed to be of present-day Sudan. Rama is thought to be the father of the city of Rama, which is usually assumed to be somewhere in the region of Yemen. But we do not know where exactly this city was located. Didantu was the father of a nation of western Ethiopians. Josephus claimed that Mizraim was the father of the people who settled in what was then Egypt. To us, the region he was referring to is now Israel, and perhaps Jordan. The area known as Put was still in existence in Josephus' day, so not surprisingly, he identified Put, the third son of Ham, as the father to this nation. To us, this region is known as Libya. He further describes the area as that of a river and region in the country of the Moors. However, ancient Egyptians refer to the area that is now Sudan as the land of Punt, which may also have been where Put settled. Canaan, it should come as little surprise, was the father of the people that inhabited Judea and became known as the Canaanites. Sidon was the father of the people that formed the city that the Greeks called Sidonosius in present-day Lebanon. Adma was a city in present-day Syria, north of the Dead Sea. Adma is believed to have been destroyed along with Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19. Archite was identified with what we call Mount Lebanon, in the country of the same name. Josephus also claimed that for the other seven sons of Canaan, namely, Chetus, Jebesus, Amarius, Gergesius, Eduus, Sinuus, and Samaris, there was nothing known about their descendants. He believed that the Hebrews overthrew their cities, and that in doing so, their histories were lost. Obviously, Elam was the father to the Elamites, ancestors of the Persians, and now the Iranians. The Elamite Empire will get at least one episode, maybe more, in the future. Ashur was the father of the Assyrians, and built their city Nineveh. Assyria was in Mesopotamia, in present-day Iraq. It, too, will be covered in the future. The descendants of Arphaxad were thought by Josephus to be one and the same as the Chaldeans. Therefore, Nebuchadnezzar II, in a many Old Testament tales, was thought to be a great-great-times-an-unknown-ex-grandson of Araxid, son of Shem. Eber was the great-grandson of Shem. Josephus believed that the Hebrew people derived their name from Eber, as it was sometimes spelled with a leading H, and therefore pronounced Heber, leading to the word Hebrews. In Jewish tradition, Eber, the great-grandson of Shem, refused to help with the building of the tower at Babel, so his language was not confused when the tower was abandoned. But I'll save the rest of that story for next week. Josephus made no mention of where Eber settled. Peleg was so named because he was born at the dispersion of the nations to their several countries. The word Peleg among Hebrews signifies division. Once again, Josephus stakes no claim as to where he migrated to. According to Josephus, Jokin's sons, Elmodad, Selpha, Esmoth, Jera, Edmara, Azel, Dekla, Ebel, Abamile, Sebus, Orphil, Elalat, and Jobab inhabited the area of Kofin, an Indian river, and the part of Asia next to this river. To us, the Kofin River is known as the Kabul River and runs from Afghanistan to Pakistan, emptying into the Indus River. The Indus River eventually empties into the Arabian Sea. Aram was, of course, the father of the Amorites, which the Greeks called Syrians. We also called people from the area Syrians. Sometimes, you will also see the Amorites referred to as the Aramaeans. They will be covered in the future, too. 
Uz was a son of Aram. Josephus believed he found a Trachonitis in Damascus. Damascus, as you probably know, is in present-day Syria. Trachonitis is sometimes called Lajat and lies southeast of Damascus. Hol was the son of Aram. According to Josephus, he founded what would much later become the country of Armenia. Gethur, another son of Aram, founded Bactria in the Hindokush mountain range of present-day Afghanistan, Uzbekistan, and Tajikistan. Much of the U.S.'s war in Afghanistan was fought in this area. Bactria was the birthplace of Zoroastrianism, and later important in the history of Buddhism. Mash was the father to the Mezzanines. Josephus believed that they were one and the same as the Shirax Spasinu. This was an ancient port at the head of the Persian Gulf and the capital of the ancient kingdom of Sharacin. Lud was believed to have been the father of the Luddites. Josephus thought that they were also known as the Lydians. Lydia was the western portion of Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. The ancient city of Troy is thought to have been located in Lydia. I'll post a map of all these names and areas on the podcast Facebook page. Hippolytus of Rome compiled a list similar to that of Josephus around 234 AD. It is thought to have been based on the Book of Jubilees. There were several differences between his and Josephus's list. First, he claimed that Gomer was the father of the Cappadocians. Ashkenza was fathered to the Sarmatans. No, these are not the Samaritans of Judea, but they are people from Eastern Europe and Western Asia, north of Iran. Hippolytus believed that Togarmar was the father to the Armenians. Magog was the father to the Galatians of north-central Anatolia, which is easier to believe than his other proposition, that Magog was also father to the Celts, who at the time lived in central and western Europe. Elisha was father to the Sicils, who inhabited the island of Sicily. Kittim was father to the Macedonians and the Romans. Now that's a weighty lineage. There were a few others proposed by Hippolytus, but their descendants are less interesting and a bit redundant. Jerome, writing around 390 AD, provided an update to Josephus's identifications. His list is substantially the same as Josephus, except for three notable differences. First, Thubal, the son of Japheth, was thought to be the father of the Iberians, you know, the people living in present-day Spain and Portugal. Next, Gether, the son of Aram, was thought to be the father of the Acarnani of west-central Greece or the Carians of southwest Anatolia. Finally, Jerome thought that Mash, the son of Aram, was father of the Maonis, the predecessors of the Lydians of western Anatolia. Remember that Josephus thought that Mash was the predecessor of the Mesonines on the north side of the Persian Gulf. The scholar Isidora of Seville, in his tome titled Etymology, which was written around 600 AD, repeats all of Jerome's identifications, but with a few minor adjustments. First, he claimed that Joktan was father of all the peoples of India. Next, Seleph, the son of Joktan, was the father to Bactrans. Remember that Josephus had Gether as their forefather in Seleph settling in Afghanistan. Third, Isidora said that Magog was the ancestor of the Scythians and the Goths. Josephus had the same attributions for the Scythians, but the Goths were an East Germanic people, and not the moody teenagers from about ten years ago. Finally, Isidora, like Hippopolitus, said that Ashkenza was the ancestor of the Samaritans. Isidora's identifications became the basis for numerous later medieval scholars, remaining so until the Age of Discovery prompted new theories, such as that of Benito Arias Montano in 1571, who proposed connecting Meshkek with Moscow and Ophir with Peru, 
That's right, Ofer was proposed by Montano as the father of the people living on the west coast of South America. But before dismissing this theory entirely, keep in mind that the Peruvians did have to descend from someone. Then again, there was also a port of the same name, or maybe a region, in the books of Kings and Chronicles that King Solomon sent an expedition to. In 1946, an inscribed pottery shard was found at Tel Kaisai, in modern-day Tel Aviv, dating to about the 8th century BC. It bears, in Paleo-Hebrew script, the text, Gold of Ophir, to Beth Horan, 30 shekels. This find confirms that Ophir was a place where gold was imported from, although its location remains unknown to this day. The Greek Septuagint text of Genesis includes an additional son of Japheth named Elysia between Javan and Tubal. However, this name is found in no other ancient source, nor in First Chronicles. Most researchers agree that he is probably a duplicate of Elysia, son of Javan. Canaan is listed as the son of Arapshad and father of Shelah in the Septuagint. His name is omitted in the Hebrew Bible, but, and this is one of the more important factoids of this episode, so listen up. The genealogy of Jesus in Luke chapter 3, verse 36, is taken from the Septuagint rather than the Hebrew text, and includes the name. Interestingly, the Book of Jubilees devotes considerable time to Shelah. In the Septuagint, Canaan appears at the end of the list of the sons of Shem. Finally, Obal, who is Joktan's eighth son in the Masoretic text, is not mentioned in the Septuagint. Also, the presence of Elisha and Canaan, son of Arapshad, in the Greek Septuagint accounts for the traditional enumeration among early Christian sources of 72 names, as opposed to the 70 names found in Jewish sources and more recent Western Christian sources. The Septuagint also states that Ashkenza, son of Gomer, was the forefather of the people of the Black and Caspian Sea areas, who would much later become associated with German and East European Jews. Finally, in the Septuagint, Togarmar was associated with Anatolia in Ezekiel. Correspondingly, later Armenian historians claimed Togarmar as their ancestor. There are also various traditions in post-biblical sources claiming that Noah had children other than Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Depending on the source, these were born variously before, during, or after the flood. Like I mentioned last week, in Islam, according to the Quran, Noah had another unnamed son who refused to come aboard the ark, instead preferring to climb a mountain where he drowned. Some later Islamic commentators give his name as either Yam or Kanan. According to Irish mythology, as found in the Annals of the Four Masters and other sources, Noah had another son named Bith who was not allowed aboard the ark, and who attempted to settle in Ireland with 54 other people, only to be wiped out by the flood. Some 9th century manuscripts of the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle assert that Shifa was the fourth son of Noah. Shifa was allegedly born on the ark. It is from him that the House of Wessex traced their ancestry. The House of Wessex ruled southwest England from 519 to 1093 AD. In a different version, written by William of Malzabury, Sheaf was not the son, but the grandson of Noah. His father, Strepheus, was instead born on the ark. An early Arabic work known as the Book of Rolls references a fourth son named Boniter. This son was born after the flood and allegedly invented astronomy and instructed Nimrod. Variants of this story are found in many other later works from throughout Arabic, Hebrew, and Armenian literature. Martin of Opava, in about 1250 AD, 
designated the Roman deity of Janus as the fourth son of Noah. When he was an adult, Janus moved to Italy, invented astrology, and instructed Nimrod, but not necessarily in that order. And then finally, according to the monk Enoia da Viterbo in 1498, the Greek Babylonian writer Barosus had mentioned 30 children born to Noah after the flood, including sons named Tushto, Prometheus, Ipetus, Marcus, 16, yes, count them, 16 titans, Cranus, Granous, Oceanus, and Tipius. Also mentioned are the daughters of Noah named Araxa the Great, Regina, Pandora, Crana, and Thetis. However, Ennio's manuscript is widely regarded today as having been a forgery. But now you know, just in case that little tidbit ever comes up in conversation. One more note, Genesis chapter 10, as should be evident from the sources I cited, was studied extensively by numerous Christian, Jewish, and Muslim scholars over millennia. But the phrase table of nations only appeared and became popular in English in about the 1830s. So that's the episode for this week. Join me next week when I'll babble about a tower in Mesopotamia. As always, you can find information about the podcast on the internet at christianhistorypodcast.com. Comments and questions can be sent to comments at christianhistorypodcast.com. You can also find the Facebook page by searching the phrase Christian History Podcast as three separate words. If you feel inclined, log on to iTunes and give the podcast a like, or maybe even a positive review. Doing so will help others to find it. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.